unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. And we thank you for joining us as we head into a 4th of July weekend. Happy to have you with us on the JAS podcast. Coming up, we're going to hear from Brianna Sorensen. She's a UCF grad. You are familiar with her work with the AAC, also the USSA Pride, and her intern work at Channel 9 and Channel 6, and she has been the last year as the multimedia reporter at the Naval Academy. Brianna is standing by in the virtual green room and will join us in just a moment. Well, I hope you, uh, on July 1st, celebrated Bobby Bonilla Day as the former New York Met third baseman cashed in his nearly $1.2 million payment that is annually paid out to him on July 1st. He'll still get these payments until 2035. Been getting them since 2001. He hasn't played for the Mets since 1999. In one of the more unique contracts ever written. A series of almost $1.2 million for 35 years. So that'll uh, keep him going until about the age of 72. Wouldn't that be nice to have that kind of sum of money come in in the middle of the year every year? That would be lovely. And there'll be reports for summer camp as the restart of baseball to take place in this month of July with the 60-game season set to start in just a few weeks. So the players are starting to report and action to be held very, very soon. And the big news of the week, Cam Newton signing with the New England Patriots. You know, Bucks fans went all gaga when they were able to sign Tom Brady to be their quarterback, along with the Gronk and Super Bowl visions dancing in their heads. And now the Patriot fans are all a gaga about Cam Newton coming on board. Interesting aspects. A couple of New England sports talk hosts were talking about how Bill Belichick's not going to put up with the Cam Newton Superman thing. Do they remember the Gronk played <laughs> with the Patriots and there isn't a bigger personality in the National Football League than the Gronk? We shall find out, though, how coachable Cam Newton is. Will Bill Belichick tailor his offense towards Cam Newton? Most certainly will do. And I know we're kind of glossing over the fact that Jared Stidham is on the roster there, but I thought he was highly overrated coming out of Auburn. Cam Newton's going to win that job. But we'll see what uh, Cam Newton's personality fit-in will be. During his time with the Panthers, tendency to be a bit of a whiner, a bit of a blamer. That won't go over well in the land of the Patriots. Absolutely will not. And saw this headline today. Oklahoma City Center Stephen Adams says he's been working out during the NBA shutdown by boxing out cows. 
And as you look at the headline, okay, in Oklahoma, plenty of cows out there to do that work with. But Stephen Adams is back to back in his home country, New Zealand, where he's been working on the farm and showing off his farmer's tan and boxing out the cows to get keep himself in at least strength shape. So that will be pretty cool as well. Hey, and also coming up on the show, we will close out with a, we're actually going to do a twofer on TV themes today. And a tribute to the late, great Carl Reiner. And I am happy to welcome to the program this week a person you are familiar with as a UCF grad, her work with the AAC Digital Network, USSA Pride Softball, and uh, the last year as the multimedia reporter at the Naval Academy, Brianna Sorensen is here with us today. Brianna, how are you today? Hello, great. Thanks for having me today. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here. And uh, first question I've been asking guests of late is how you've been biding your time during the uh, the shutdown and uh, in all this virtual world that we live in. How have things been going for you? Pretty great. I can't complain. Family's healthy. Everyone's healthy. But Navy, thankfully, has kept me um, pretty busy. I'm still working for Navy Athletics currently, but I've been doing Zoom interviews, which is definitely something new for me. Um, hadn't done a Zoom interview or even heard of Zoom before this pandemic, but thankfully I've been doing a lot of Zoom interviews, trying to keep up with the Navy Athletics athletes and just trying to stay safe and stay inside. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. And uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about your time at uh, UCF. Of course, you are a proud graduate and at the time that you were at UCF, you have to feel so blessed that as you are, you know, working your way through, uh, you know, getting uh, educated on communications and, and all that good stuff, that UCF football reaches unprecedented heights and the athletic department as a whole under Danny White's direction surges so dramatically. I tell you, you probably had to f- uh, kind of pinch yourself a little bit at how that opportunity panned out, huh? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. So, yeah, so both my parents graduated from UCF. So I kept up with the team for since I was I was pretty much have UCF in my blood. (laughs) But I um, came during the 2016 season. So the season before, you know, they went 0 and 12 in 2015. 2016 came when they were six and seven. So, you know, which was even, you know, a vast improvement from 0 and 12. But I would have never, never imagined that 2017 season and 2018 season, especially the 2017 season. That season was like no other, like the best best possible circumstance for me wanting to become a, a sports reporter for sure, going 13 and 0 undefeated champions, um, you know, well, national champions, as Danny White would say. Yes. <laughs> it was an absolutely amazing experience. I couldn't have asked for a better experience at UCF. Um, getting that, that undefeated experience through football and wanting to be a sports reporter and being able to be on the sidelines and there for college game day was just like a movie. Like, they really need to make, I need to talk to Eric DeSalvo about this, but they definitely need to make a complete documentary on that from just transforming going from 2015 to 2017 with just 
an incredible time to be at UCF. <laughs> I know it's probably hard to pick one, but you know, 2017 had so many incredible moments culminating with the victory over Auburn in the Peach Bowl. Would you have one moment uh, during that season that you would consider the top moment for you? Oh, God, the top moment. I mean, it, it, I think it has to be the Peach Bowl. Like it, it, has, it just has to be. Just because beating Auburn just solidified. Like, you know, during that whole season, everybody was like, oh, the strength of schedule. Oh, like, we had... UCF had so many, as you call nowadays, haters at the time. Um, and just beating Auburn just solidified really how good that team was with Mackenzie Milton, Traquan Smith, Jordan Aiken, Shaquem Griffin. That whole era was just unbelievable. So I think that Auburn game, I mean, I cried after it. It was just an unbelievable experience. So I definitely would have to say during that 2017 season, it would have to be the Peach Bowl for sure. <laughs> yeah. And you know, when you talk about how amazing a season that was and you look at, you know, great teams generally have to have some things fall their way. And I think good teams make their own luck, but you look at, uh, you know, the, the battle with South Florida at the end of the season and the Mike Hughes dramatic kickoff return. And then you look at the back and forth with Memphis in the AAC championship game where, you know, at any moment that season could have, you know, the, the balloon, the air could have come out of the balloon and they just were so resilient and found a way to get it done. I think that team literally maybe gave me 10 different heart attacks <laughs> just watching them play. Being on the sidelines, and if people know, um, if you're in the reporting industry or sports reporting or any journalism with sports, you know, you're if you're on the sidelines, you're not supposed to react to anything. You're supposed to keep it professional. Um, I was interning with the AAC at the time, so I was on the sidelines shooting it, and it was so, so hard just not to, at times, break down crying or, like, you know, just scream. Um, it was definitely... Yeah, a very emotional season for sure. They definitely call them, what, the heart attack nights? <laughs> yeah. Something like that. But they definitely gave me a few heart attacks throughout that season for sure. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, 2018 was certainly not a, a season that, uh, you know, was certainly an excellent one in its own right as the Knights were able to make another New Year's Six Bowl game and uh, had another amazing season. Can you – can you – since you really saw both sides of it, you saw the Knights under Scott Frost, and then you saw Josh Heupel come in as a first-year coach, and having to take the reins of an undefeated team, that was quite an accomplishment for Josh Heupel. Oh, absolutely. It was a huge accomplishment. I remember when they announced the hiring of Heupel, and everybody was kind of like, oh, like, you know, people were making bets on, you know, how they thought the season was going to be for the next season, and I think everybody was just, you know, the, everybody was scared. You had to be a little scared going from an undefeated season. You have such high expectations for the next season. But Heifel, I feel like, couldn't have done a better job of keeping up that momentum. And, of course, you know, after the 2017 season, they lost a lot of vital players as well. So he had to overcome that. So the fact that he was able to keep up that momentum for that 2018 season and also, you know, Keeping up from losing a few players, a few really vital players from 2017, I think he did a fantastic job. I mean, huge expectations for him to only lose, you know, that very last 
digestible and have another undefeated regular season is a huge triumph in itself. So he did a great job. And although we hate to relive bad memories, you know, Mackenzie Milton goes down at the end of that season at the South Florida game. And, you know, can you relate to, to you know, the, the type of player and the type of person Mackenzie Milton is? Because here's a guy who, you know, had a shaky freshman season and nearly you know, did not stay at UCF reaches great heights and then has this uh, terrible injury happen to him and how he has responded since then. Uh, give me your thoughts on Mackenzie Milton. Oh, yeah. Mackenzie Milton is a trooper. Just seeing him lead those seasons, those undefeated seasons, and still having just a heart of gold after that injury. Like, you know, his, his continuous, like, you see him, you know, when he had his leg in a brace and him still – attending every single practice he'd still be on the sidelines for him to be hurt and still even like I you know I would talk to a few of the players during interviews and ask them you know oh how is Mackenzie still active in your life and they're like you know besides him not being on the actual field it's like he never left like he still was that leadership role throughout even after he was hurt he continued to be a leader on that team so you know, and him battling that injury, I'm sure, you know, that really gets to your head as a player. Like, as a player, you know, you could quit right there and be like, oh, man, I'm out. Like, peace out, you guys. I'm done. But he, if anything, became even more of a great leader by showing, like, hey, you guys are my family. I'm still here for you. Injury or no injury, I'm still going to be here for you guys. So, so much respect for Mackenzie. He's truly one of a kind. <laughs> yeah, and if they think of the fact that, uh, you know, he gave such great leadership to Dylan Gabriel in his uh, freshman season, and Mackenzie Milton still wants to play football. I, you know, if they're, you know, I know the injury was was such a such a major one, and the thought of him, of him playing again, while, you know, a lot of people give it slim to none, you know, there's probably, he's probably like the last guy I would bet against. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I hope, you know, he, you know, has a great season, you know, if he is able to play again. And just his mentorship for, you know, Dylan Gabriel and their bond, you know, you see them talking on the sidelines, you see, you know, Mackenzie, you see those pictures and videos of him helping, you know, Dylan Gabriel, which is, you know, you know, that's tough as a player when you're hurt and having to, you know, help someone else and really mentor someone else, you know, when you think like, hey, that could be my position. But obviously he's just such a selfless leader that, you know, Mackenzie genuinely wants what's best for the team. And so he was able to, you know, mentor Dylan Gabriel to help pass that torch while he's hurt. So uh, kudos to him. Definitely Mackenzie Milton and Dylan Gabriel. They seem like they definitely have a special bond like no other. Well, and uh, you, of course, are no stranger to great quarterback play. So, you know, after uh, graduating UCF, you go to work in uh, multimedia at the Naval Academy. And this past football season, you saw a quarterback put up the kind of numbers that are pretty amazing. And he had one of the great seasons in Naval Academy football history when you think of the likes of Roger Staubach and Keenan Reynolds and Malcolm Perry uh, rushing for over 2,000 yards. And can you, can you, Relate to me the experience of watching that kind of a season he put together. Oh, man. Malcolm Perry is a special kid for sure. Yeah, like you said, rushing for over 2,000 yards, breaking, you know, an SBS record for 
most rushing yards by a quarterback in a single season. Um, Malcolm is just special. I mean, he definitely helped lead that team to an 11-2 and season, you know, and before that season, they went 3-10. and So it was kind of funny, you know, going from UCF, who, you know, had a similar, you know, experience going from, you know, going from winning no games to winning a lot, going to Navy. I was, when I first went, I'm like, okay, you know, they had a three and ten season last season. I had no idea when I came that they would end up having an eleven and two season, and definitely, you know, led by Malcolm Perry. He's truly something special, and just seeing how he can dodge in and out of players, like he's so he's so fast, and his mobility is just insane. So I'm so proud of him. Um, you know, he got signed to the Dolphins. So excited to see what he has for that next level for sure. I think he's going to do great things. Absolutely. Yeah, and what's amazing is, you know, the season before, he was part of, you know, several guys had uh, played the quarterback position at Navy in that three-win season. And just just to think that, uh, you know, going into last season that there was some doubt he could be the quarterback. And the put-up the year he did is just remarkable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the year before, he kept going back and forth between that slot back and quarterback position. So he was going back and forth. And then that next season, Coach Nia Matalolo said, like, he almost apologized once, you know, in a conference, press conference, because he was saying, you know, like, Malcolm Perry needs to be our one true quarterback. And he made that change for that last season. And it did wonders for them. I mean, Malcolm Perry... I couldn't have imagined a better quarterback for that season. He just, you know, I mean, in itself, it says enough rushing for over 2,000 yards in a single season is just insane. <laughs> yeah. And Coach Kenny Matalolo, I tell you, he's one of the guys that uh, I, I am very fascinated by because, you know, he runs the triple option offense and he's such a uh, such a great guy. You know, what I found very impressive about last season was, you know, after a couple of down years, he made some changes. He brings in Brian Newberry to run the defense and basically change the entire scheme. And then offensively, they, you know, are still a triple option team, but they add some shotgun. They put in a few more forward passes, which is almost in, you know, they would go games without throwing the ball at all. And to talk about what he did last season as the head coach, making those uh, making those tough decisions and making those change, can you tell me uh, how you viewed that? Oh yeah, Coach Niamatololo. For him in general, you know, to be working at a service academy, it's so hard to get top players. You know, it's hard to get those very top recruits. You have to just go through so many more steps at a service academy. So for him to have such a successful team is amazing in itself. Like, the fact that he's able to make these adjustments, like you said, like getting pretty much a brand-new defensive staff when he sees, like, he needs to, and hiring a guy also like Billy Ray Stutzman just to work with Malcolm Perry to work on his passing game because he knew that he needed to work on that aspect and improve in that way. Coach Niamatololo, the way he's able to adapt, and he just – he studies the game. He truly, um, I've talked to him about this before, the way in his off season that he just looks at all, you know, the past film, the way he studies everything and asks other coaches for advice. He gets outside advice is amazing. Cause you know, a lot of coaches, you know, won't go to other people and say like, Hey, what do you think about this? The way that he like learns from everybody else and takes in everybody else's also, you know, coaching opinions. He's just, so adaptable, which I think 
makes him such a good coach that he's able to change things up. So, yeah, all props to Coach Niamatololo. He is truly, truly a special coach, even off the field as well. He is such a good guy. I can't stress that enough. Coach Niamatololo such a good person. Yeah, and you know, and you reference the fact that uh, you know, he even kind of admitted the season before that uh, you know, he may have made the mistake at the at the quarterback position not keeping Malcolm Perry there. It's very rare that you find a head coach who will who will own up to making a mistake. <laughs> Absolutely. There's so many coaches out there, you know, so many coaches that, you know, won't own up to it. They're very, you know, stuck in their ways. They'll always have an experience for why they did something a certain way. But Coach Niamatololo, he straight up said even about Malcolm, like he's like, yeah, I needed even for Malcolm's own self-confidence to have him solidify that quarterback position and know like, hey, you're our team leader, you're our quarterback. And so that's what he did for last season. He made it known, you know, Malcolm is our quarterback and he had great success from that change for sure. Yeah, and, and and working at the Naval Academy, I do have to ask because uh, I, you know, I've had Joe Miller from the Navy Radio Network on my AAC show several times, and I want to get your perspective of it, especially somebody who his, you know, fresh face at the Naval Academy. You come in and and you go to the Army Navy game. The Army Navy game is certainly a unique college football game, unlike un, any other. Uh, how about that experience for you? Oh, my goodness. That was by far, like, out of my whole year at the Naval Academy, that was definitely my favorite memory for me. Um, this, it's funny. The entire year, every single team, all 33 of the teams at the Naval Academy, whenever you say, go Navy, they're going to say, beat Army back. It's just like a saying thing. Um, and it's on, you know, all these shirts, you know, go Navy, beat Army. That's what they look forward to all season. The rivalry of the Army-Navy games are on another level. Like, you would think, like, you're at a Super Bowl when you enter that stadium. The pure energy and adrenaline is just something I've never, never experienced before. So that Army-Navy game and, you know, this last season they beat them 31-7, to I believe, and... It was just such a fantastic game to be at, and all the midshipmen, their energy, the midshipmen's excitement of watching, because, you know, all the midshipmen go, all the cadets go, so it's just something like no other. The pure passion and rivalry of that game is something I've never seen before. <laughs> it was amazing, yeah. And it it- was, I don't, I can't even describe it, it was <laughs> insane <laughs> uh, how how much uh, how much of a chill do you get uh, you know because these guys you know want to beat each other badly when they're on the football field but then you know down the road these guys are going to be teammates in a whole different other way and how much of a chill is it to after the game see these guys do each other's alma mater oh my gosh yeah the respect afterwards that they have for each other um it's just you know hand in hand it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to see them, you know, as soon as that game is done, as soon as that clock hits zero zero, and the respect that they automatically have for each other after that game, it, it, it does. It gives you chills just to see, you know, that they're going to be serving together. Like, at the end of the day, sports are amazing, football is amazing, but that isn't their main goal. Like, their main goal at the end of the day is when they graduate, they're going to serve our country, which... Just being at the Naval Academy, even for myself, the 
to see the things that they go through on a daily basis, it just gives you a newfound respect for these guys out there that are going to serve our country and just do amazing things. And the sacrifices they make every single day is just jaw-dropping. Like, total, complete respect for both of those academies. <laughs> yeah, how, how, is, how excited is Annapolis the fact that the Navy Notre, Dame, Navy Notre Dame game, which was going to be played in Ireland, has now been moved to be played at the, the Naval Academy for the first time ever? Uh, what is the excitement uh, built around that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody's definitely excited about that, for sure. I mean, it's unfortunate, you know, that we couldn't, you know, they couldn't go to Ireland. It's definitely, you know, it's bittersweet. But then to find out the next best place absolutely was going to be Annapolis. And I'm excited, you know, for all the fans and everybody to just see, you know, the Naval Academy and Playing in Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium is like no other beautiful stadium, so much history behind it. So I think it's definitely going to be an exciting game for sure. <laughs> well, Brianna, we have certainly enjoyed your visit to the show today. And uh, if you would, uh, let folks know where they can follow your work and on social media. Yeah, absolutely. So they can follow me on Twitter, just at Brianna Sorensen, B-R-E-A-N-N-A-S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N. And then same thing with Instagram, just at a TV at the end, Brianna Sorensen TV. And yeah, or if they want to follow my Facebook page as well, Brianna Sorensen. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it was a pleasure to have you, and we wish you continued success and uh, continued good health. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a great day. And we'll return to close out with a couple of TV themes right after this. Five reasons why you should listen to or advertise with Captain and Company in the morning. One, just under four decades of professional broadcasting experience. AM, FM, online. Two, programming music you listened to before you settled down and started a family. Three, live every weekday morning, just as reliable as your automobile. Four, no spin doctor here. I just can't fix stupid. Five, if you got this far, please go back to reason number one. Weekday mornings right here on your favorite online station. Our primary objective is to keep the groove. I got peace. Oldschool101.com. Forget about it. That is the theme from Rizzolian Isles, which is said to be a Boston Pops version of the Dropkick Murphy song, I'm Shipping Up to Boston. Rizzolian Isles aired from 2010 to 2016 on TNT, starring Angie Harmon as police detective Jane Rizzoli and Sasha Alexander as medical medical examiner Dr. Moore Isles. The one-hour drama based on the series of Rizzolian Isles novels by Tess Gerritsen and you can do the Rizzoli or Isles argument a la Ginger or Mary Ann from Gilligan's Island or Jennifer or Bailey from WKRP. And honestly, I'd have to say on this one, it's a push. I'd have to flip a coin. The show also starred Bruce McGill as Walter Corsack, Lorraine Bracco as the ever-interfering mom, Angela Rizzoli, Lee Thompson-Young 
as Barry Frost in seasons one through four before his untimely death. And Jordan Bridges as Frankie Rizzoli, the younger brother who also joined the ranks of the Boston Police Force. And normally we just do a single TV theme to close out, but this week warrants a second one. Yes, with the passing of Carl Reiner at the age of 98 this week, we bring you the theme of the landmark TV show he created, The Dick Van Dyke Show. Carl Reiner wrote this show originally for himself and his wife called Head of the Family, based on his time as a writer of the old Sid Caesar show, but CBS passed on it. So when he began to retool in collaboration with another television and entertainment legend, Danny Thomas, and Reiner, fearful of having... To have that show be passed on twice, Thomas told Reiner, we'll just hire a better actor to play you. (laughs) Needless to say, The Dick Van Dyke Show was one of the great sitcoms of all time. And Reiner would also make appearances as the bombastic TV host Alan Brady, whom Rob Petrie, the Van Dyke character, worked for as the lead writer. Carl Reiner was also the straight man for his longtime friend Mel Brooks in their comedy tandem. Uh, They did a the show called The 2,000-Year-Old Man, which is a classic. And he would also go on to direct some great movies like Where's Papa? Oh, God. The Jerk with Steve Martin, in which he would play a version of himself. He was also Saul Bloom in the Ocean's 11, 12, and 13 movies. And Carl Reiner Osiris. I can't even say it. <laughs> you know what I mean. It's a playoff of Rhinoceros. And... He played that character in Toy Story 4. His son, Rob Reiner, also became known to us as well as Meathead on All in the Family and is also a highly talented director in the film and TV industry. Think about the course his life took when his sitcom did not get picked up originally. He was able to regroup, make it great behind the scenes, and we were so lucky to get decades of his comedy genius. Thank you, Carl Reiner. Make sure your 4th of July weekend is a healthy, happy, and safe one. In the words of the great Skip Carey, if you're going to celebrate your 4th for the 5th, please don't drink and drive. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer's Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.